Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, I'm Julie Gould and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Welcome to the series Beyond Academia, where we explore the movement of people between academia and other sectors. Joan Cordner's career in chemical engineering started in 1987, but she's a relative newcomer to academia. She was always in two minds about what she wanted to do, As a young woman, she had received sponsorship from the chemical company ICI, now known as Syngenta, to continue her research and do a PhD. But they turned around to her and said that actually they'd prefer to train her up and that she comes to work for them. So that is what she did. But after that, the question of what would it be like to work as an academic stayed with her for the rest of her career in industry. And as a result, she's kept close ties with the academic world. You gravitate to what you like, I think, and and what you enjoy. So I gravitated to roles that allowed me to do that industry academic collaboration. And I always really enjoyed that. So it was always on my mind. And as long as the company was giving me stuff that was stretching me and I was enjoying, there was no real incentive to move. Joan also enjoyed working with the young people who came through her departments, students coming in for placements or young recruits that she'd found at a university. Training and coaching and developing and encouraging young people. And the company let me play at being a researcher because I got to do this industry academic collaboration. And then I was managing technical departments or Um, technology department. So I got to do lots of stuff I really enjoyed. Towards the end of her time in industry, the company wanted to know what Joan was going to do in the future. Where did she see herself working within the company? Now, at the time, Joan was based in Houston in Texas, and she had learned that they were going to close up the office there in a few years' time. This gave Joan the opportunity to reflect on her career and herself. So she decided to take one of those aptitude tests, one that she'd actually been asking her trainees to do as well. And it suddenly occurred to me, I mean, this is really crazy, but it just kind of, you know, sometimes you have these aha moments and it, and I read the top five strengths and it, you know, first one was learner, second one was strategic. And the next three were all about people, relator, communications and individualization. And that last one is all about understanding individuals needs and their development needs and I thought 
That's why I like all the stuff at FETS. And there isn't a job in the company that's any more senior that really lets me do that, that still lets me be technical, because you could go in human, you know, human resources, but I really enjoy the technical and the research side. And, and this kind of thing about do I want to be an academic had always sort of been there. And, and that kind of said, well, actually, that sounds like the perfect job and I should just go for it and I should have the confidence to go for it. And that's when I started making the plans of, well, how am I going to de-risk it? De-risking the move means to make a move easier from two perspectives, make the move less of a learning curve for yourself, but also make it easier for the new employer. You kind of need to convince the employer that you're going to build, you know, that you've de-risked that move because they're taking a risk on you, just like the university took a risk on me. Um, what can you do to de-risk it for whoever's going to hire you? Um, and, you know, part of the de-risking for me was I had a fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering. So, and I don't have a PhD, right? So it's really unusual to become a professor without a PhD, but part of the de-risking was I'd already been recognised by the, the fraternity, as it were, the, being a, a fellow of the Royal Academy. Now, I didn't go seeking that, but I did start to, you know, five or six years before I made the jump, I started making time to go to conferences and meeting academic friends and part of getting my head back into where's the state of the art, who's working on what, you know how's things changed in the UK? Because I wasn't even in the UK, I was in the US. And I think, you know, that's that helps de-risk it for whoever's hiring you. Joan joined the Department of Chemical Engineering at Sheffield University in the UK at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in January 2020 as a professor of process engineering and external engagement. This meant that she was hired to develop the academic company relationship, a perfect role for her. Other than immersing herself in the current UK-based research environment and networking, part of Joan's de-risking strategy was to highlight her time spent working on funding panels, creating relationships and collaborations with academia. She'd seen academic laboratories, she'd done teaching. So that bit was less of a risk. The bit that was a risk for me was the research part. If, you know, if you're in industry and your work is research, then it's easy to jump back into straight research because you're used to working in you know, a very specific field and you've developed expertise in a specific field. So early on in my career, you know, I developed very specific research in a, in a narrow field. And at that point, it probably, from a research point of view, might have been better to go back to academia then. But now I've managed technology departments I know a lot about, I know a little about lots of things, but my depth in anything isn't there anymore. And where it did exist, it's out of date, largely. So getting kind of up to speed on all that again, I've had to put a lot of effort into. The next step was to consider what her research was going to be about. Because typically academics focus um, in an area and my interests are quite wide because I've had a, a wide and varied career and I managed, you know, a wide area. Uh, so that's been the biggest 
probably the biggest hurdle for me and the biggest fear, you know, especially when people say, what's your field? Like, I don't know yet. <laughs> and I still don't know, but I'm playing in a whole load of fields. And, and I, I soon came to realize, actually, let's just go and do some stuff and see what works and collaborate. But the role worked because Joan and the department could collaborate to fill in any gaps. The bits I'm missing, they have. They have lots of experience of doing research recently and they, they seem to appreciate and benefit my broader perspective and the sort of impact um, perspective. And, you know, I've probably got an example that I can kind of tell them about that you know can help or I know somebody who knows who might have data so you know it's I think moving back for me was easier because I was working in a collaborative department. Joan also had a very specific skill set that she could offer to the department. What I offered them was was useful they have a process safety leadership um, process safety loss prevention master's course and as part of being a manager, I had to manage process safety. I was responsible legally for process safety and, you know, in, in a large site in the US and, and other jobs before that. And so I had a very specific skill that was really helpful for them because teaching that with real industry experience is a real sell for the university. So I think finding something that's really useful and transferable I think helps and it gives you confidence. Having that confidence comes with experience, having built up skills in something that the other person or company needs and this is easier to come by when you've spent considerable time in a role or a company developing those skills. But for somebody at the very beginning of their career this is a little bit harder. Jorge Abro left academia in 2017 after finishing his PhD for a more stable role in industry so that he could support his young family. But when I spoke with him towards the end of 2021, just four and a half years after moving through the barrier between the two sectors, Jorge was telling me that it was time for him to go back through it again, but the other way this time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. He wants to go back to academia. I do not feel like industry is my place. And uh, that, that would be, for me, the main topic to go back. This fast pace, this you need to care about the returns and you need to be there productive. And you don't need to find the best solution, but you need to find the most efficient way of doing things, which sometimes is something that you know is completely suboptimal for what you could do with these technologies. And for me, doing this suboptimal solutions when we are speaking about something that can completely change the world as is the case of AI. For me, it's not the way I see it. The way I, I really like to do things is to look for progress, to look for 
in this case, uh, new ways of applying AI to problems, but to really get a proper solution. Uh, that, that is the kind of the scientist in me. Uh, and uh, I really want to, to do something meaningful. And for me, the something meaningful needs to come from somewhere else than just generating revenue for a company. And that's why I really want to go back to the science. Uh, not that much about maybe academic itself, but even just helping science to, to thrive using machine learning on AI tools. For more than a year, he was looking for a role. The first one he tried was at the institution that he did his PhD at, the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy in the Heidelberg area in Germany. They were looking to hire people for a data science department. He was excited. He did the interview, but... Coming from the outside, coming from the industry, it makes things difficult. So I would really don't know the reason why this decision was made, but uh, it did not work. Then in August, I had another, another opportunity, again, with the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy. They contacted me. Uh, it was to become um, for a position on calibration scientist. So it was more of a technical position, not that much a postdoc or academic position. And uh, the topic there was, I did not make it to the interviews in this case. Uh, they were they needed someone that uh, was much more experienced on the on the real topics, on the uh, reducing telescope data and all these kind of things, which I was, but of course, four years ago. As time went by, Jorge heard more no, and I asked him what that felt like. Does that feel good? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if say terrible. I mean, obviously, anytime you get a, a no, it is like, ah, time is passing, it's going to get even more difficult. So it really feels bad at that point. But uh, at the same time, you know the situation and you know that not that many people have done this way back. So it's just, uh, well, another try. But instead of focusing on the negative, Jorge has turned his job hunt into a learning experience. At the beginning, it was hard to say to hear no, but now the things changed from the point of view I'm enjoying the process. Maybe because now it changed from astronomy to biology, what I what I'm trying to get into, and it implies like learning new things and learning new ways of of seeing the science and also see how with AI we can change things. And so for for this kind of topics. I am kind of learning a bit every every time I have an, an interview, every time I have a, a new option. And I'm trying to enjoy the process on that way. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Since I spoke to Jorge, he has actually found a job at an academic institution, which he will start in the spring of 2022. And so we can see that careers aren't as simple as get a job and stay in it for life. People change directions all the time, crossing the porous barrier between sectors, sometimes even more than once. And making the move back into academia, as Jorge said, is not one you see very often. So if you've made this move back into academia after some time away, for whatever reason, we would really love to hear from you. Please send the team at Nature Careers an email with the address naturecareerseditor at nature.com and put academia in the subject line. In the next episode of this series, Beyond Academia, we will hear about some collaborations between academia and industry where the porous barrier between the sectors seems to have completely disappeared. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.